You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. Thank you so much for coming. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. Today, we start a new series. It's going to be a short one, just the month of August. And we're calling it Hope in the Midst of Chaos. There we go. We're going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes is a very, very interesting book. If you've ever read it before, you may have scratched your head and said, why? Why in the world is it in Scripture? It's a little bit different. Um, We're going to take a look at it. Have you ever felt chaos in your life? Are you feeling chaos right now? A lot of us do. The book of Ecclesiastes is all about the chaos of life and what we do in the midst of that chaos. So let's let's get started. We'll start right off uh, with the opening words. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. Okay, so the author identifies himself as King David's son and the one that ruled. So we're probably talking about Solomon here. At least that's what uh, the church has felt, the church has thought through the ages. It is interesting he never identifies himself as Solomon. He calls himself the teacher. That word in Hebrew only occurs here in Ecclesiastes. And it actually means the leader of the congregation, the leader of the assembly. So, teacher. Some versions say the preacher. Okay. He gets straight to his message. Everything is meaningless. So, what does that word meaningless mean? Well, the word meaningless does occur outside the book of Ecclesiastes. It's used over 70 times in the rest of Ecclesiastes, but almost half of those times right here in this book. 35 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says everything is meaningless. So what does he mean? What does that word mean? Outside of Ecclesiastes, it's used for different concepts, things like vapor, mist. But here in Ecclesiastes, he's talking about life. Let's look at some of the other translations and how they translate this word that here we have meaningless. King James, you may have grown up with King James. It's vanity. Vanity of vanities, everything is vanity. Okay? The Amplified Bible says vapor. Everything is just vapor. Common English version says everything is pointless. 
Christian study Bible says everything is futility. The message says it's all smoke. It's all smoke and mirrors. NIV, New Living Translation that we read just a minute ago says meaningless and the contemporary English version says nothing makes any sense. Well, you get the idea. You get the idea. This is a depressing message. It's like he's saying, what's the use? What's the point of it all? Doesn't seem to fit with the rest of Solomon's writings or even with the rest of the Old Testament. Now, because of this, through the years, people have struggled with the message of Ecclesiastes. And as I look back at what people say about Ecclesiastes, it seems to me like, by and large, people who follow the Lord and expect an easy life say it doesn't make sense. People who follow the Lord and have the experience of difficult times tend to say, you know what, I don't understand it. I, I don't get it all, but it sure is my experience. <laughs> now I don't know where you fall in that continuum, but I'll tell you where I fall. I think what the teacher says makes a whole lot of sense. Because when I read what it is that he's saying, if I understand what he's really saying, it makes perfect sense. So let's tackle it. Today, we're going to look at the negative themes. Now, the negative themes run through about three quarters of the book of Ecclesiastes. It's not until the very end that he really comes around and he says, now these things are not meaningless. These things are good. We need to focus on these things. So let's take a look. Let's find out what he identifies as meaningless. First chapter, he gets right into it. He says, I devoted myself to searching for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything that's done under heaven. And it's all meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. So the teacher says, I devoted myself to education. I got the equivalent of big degrees. Right? And he found that that didn't answer the problem of the chaos in which he found himself. Now, education in and of itself that's a good thing. That's a very positive thing. We get education in order to advance ourselves. But you know what? If you Google a list of leaders who don't have degrees, the list is absolutely amazing. Let me just read some of the names that we have there. Bill Gates. Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook. Steve Jobs, Apple Computers. 
Richard Branson, the founder of Virgin Airlines and uh, in the UK, Virgin uh, uh, Telephone System. Michael Dell, Oprah Winfrey. None of these people have degrees. Now, the list that I read are billionaires, but it's not just wealth that they have. You know, if you look at that list closely, Abraham Lincoln is on that list. Abraham Lincoln only had one year of post-high school education. Now, he was a lawyer. You know how he became a lawyer? He read a book. And when he finished the book, he said, I'm a lawyer. And he was a good lawyer. Eventually became president of the United States. The point is, education isn't the magic answer to the chaos that we live in. So the teacher goes on. He says, well, I tried education. That was meaningless, so I decided to try something else. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. And I found that this too was meaningless. The teacher said, I eventually said to myself, let's party. But that wasn't it either. That didn't resolve the chaos that I lived in. Now you know what? All of us look for pleasure. I mean, just look at what we've did over the, done over the last uh, couple of weeks here. We've, we've had a trip to Kings Island. We, we went to Rascal's Fun Zone, right? Fun Zone. Uh, we looked for pleasure, and that's a good thing. That is not a negative thing. But what the teacher is saying is that he tried to lose himself in pleasure. And what he found was that that did not rescue him from the chaos that he lived in. In fact, sometimes we find that by focusing on pleasure, we actually increase the chaos. So the next thing the teacher says what do people get in this life for all the hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It's all meaningless. The teacher said, I lost myself in my work. I get that. I get that. You know what? You have a job that you enjoy. It's easy to lose yourself in your work. In fact, we invented a word for it. We call ourselves workaholics, right? We're addicted to our work. We see what needs to be done and we go about doing it. The teacher said there came a time when I lost myself in my work. I became a workaholic. And what good did it do for me? Nothing. Now, it's interesting. I went on the internet to look up quotes on being a workaholic. And what I found is that it's black or it's white. It's extreme positive or it's extreme negative. And it seems to me 
that the people who succeed tend to say workaholism is good. Ice T, if you know who that is, said the truth is everybody I've ever met who's successful is a workaholic. Yeah, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what Ice-T feels. Omar Sharif, now, he was a fairly successful actor a long time ago, but he had a very different viewpoint. He said, working gets in the way of living. <laughs> I kind of like Dolly Parton. She seems to have figured it out. She said, never get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. If you look at Dolly Parton, I do think she kind of has things figured out. Well, the teacher goes on. He says, okay, education, pleasure, work, none of that seemed to, to help. So then he said again, I observed all the oppression that takes place under the sun. And I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. The oppressors have great power and their victims are helpless. The teacher looked around at what was going on around him. And remember, he was the king. He had the ability to change things. And with that ability, he looked at the courts he looked at politics, he looked at political causes, and he said, you know what? No matter how hard I try, the oppressors are still there. Look back at the United States over the last 20 years or so. There was a period in which both the Congress, the majority of Congress, and the president were of one political party. There was a time when that was Republican and a time when that was Democrat. So both parties had their choice. Then there was a time when the president was one party and the Congress was the other party. That also switched back and forth. And if you look at it, crime has increased steadily. Murders have increased steadily. Oppression is still there. It just seems like no matter who's in charge, things get worse and worse and worse. The teacher says, I looked at politics. All the politicians say they're going to fix it. And they don't. It's like they can't. You know, all of our work in politics, it's good. It's good. But the teacher looks at it and he says, but it doesn't resolve the chaos. The chaos is still here. The chaos still controls our lives. So he tried something else. Now the teacher turns and he says, I amassed wealth. And then he said, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth 
brings true happiness. Apparently the teacher got to a point where he said, maybe I can buy peace in the midst of the chaos that I'm in. Have that work out for him. <laughs> Not so good. You know, I've talked to people that say, you know, if I only had a million dollars, things would be different. And they work and they get a million. And then they say, no, it just isn't enough. Maybe I need two million. And then maybe it's, maybe it's five million. Just like the teacher says, the wealthy never seem to have enough. Mahatma Gandhi once said, the world has enough for everyone's need, but not enough for everyone's greed. And that's really the point, isn't it? Now, you know all of these things, all of these things, when you look at them, they're good things. Education, education is important. We need education. It helps us achieve the goals that we set for ourselves in life. Pleasure, we need pleasure. We need to break the monotony of our daily work. And from time to time, if we can enjoy ourselves, that's a good thing. Work, Work is necessary, and man, if you can find a job that you enjoy, that is a gift. Embrace that gift. Political engagement. We all need to be involved politically. We've, we've preached about that here in the past. It's an important part of our lives. We don't want to stick our heads in the sand. We want to be engaged politically. It's a good thing. And wealth, we all need to have enough to make a living. We all need to save for those emergencies. All of these things are good things. So what's the teacher saying? Well, if you look very closely at what he has said up to this point, you'll notice that he has yet to mention God. It's like the teacher is saying any of these things without God doesn't resolve the chaos. Any of these things without God are meaningless. They're vanity. They're futile. They're pointless. Smoke and mirrors without God. So recently I was reading in the book of Hosea. Very different book, different time period even. But Hosea had one image that I just couldn't get rid of. He says at one point that Israel plants the wind and they harvest a whirlwind. They harvest a storm. They harvest a tornado. Now, He's talking about Israel following false gods. There's nothing there. So he's saying when you follow false gods, when you worship false gods, it's like you're digging a hole and planting wind. But the interesting thing about that, 
I would have thought that he said, when harvest time comes, there's nothing there. You plant the wind and you reap nothing. But he doesn't say that. He says, you plant the wind. You reap a tornado. These things are bad for us. These things can actually destroy us. Now what Hosea says is very similar to what the teacher says here in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's like the teacher is saying, we create for ourselves false gods, the God of education, or the God of work, the God of pleasure, the God of wealth, the God of political causes and when we follow those false gods it actually hurts us it's not that it doesn't do us any good it's that it actually damages us so what do we do well let's look at those things again education pleasure work political causes wealth. If you don't have God in the middle, these things can damage you. Education can lead to cynicism and arrogance. Pleasure can lead to addictions and distraction from life. Work can distance you from your family and it can lead to sheer exhaustion. Focusing on political causes can lead to a hunger for power and a conflict with those who hold other views. Focus on wealth can lead to greed and a compromise of our integrity. Focus on any of these things. Excluding God is like planting wind. We will reap a tornado. It will damage us in the end. It seems to me that what the teacher is saying is that we have to find a balance in our life. We can't focus on just one of these things and exclude everything else, including God. We have to find a balance in our life and at the center of our life we need to find God. We need to let God be the center of the balance in our life. God holds everything together. He makes sure that we're not drifting too far away in any direction in the middle of the sea of chaos that surrounds us. So what we're saying, we want to live, love, and go like Jesus. We need to balance the different areas in our life, and we need to make sure that God is at the center of that balance. Now that is not normally what we do. We love to compartmentalize our life. This is work. This is play. 
This is church. And those three things are very different. And we actually end up being different people in those different areas. What the teacher is saying is that's wrong. Balance your life, but put God at the center. So that at any point when you're at work, there is a balance. You're thinking of, of family. Maybe even planning for a little bit of pleasure. Amassing wealth. I mean, it's, it's all there, but at the center is God. Does that make sense? Seems to me that that is the true message of the book of Ecclesiastes. Without God, it's all meaningless. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all vapor. But with God, we can find that balance and learn to live, love, and go like Jesus. The band is going to come back up. And we're going to celebrate together communion. You know, Paul talks to us about communion. He says that at communion, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's a great time for us to reevaluate our lives. So as we get started here, let's do just that. Take a look at your own life. Is your life out of balance? Is one of these areas pulling you harder in its direction than is healthy for the other areas, for your life itself? What area of your life is out of balance? What will you do? There's something you can do. What do you need to do to pull that area back into balance? To get God back at the center of that area and at the center of your life. Who will you tell? Who will you talk to to say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. This is what I want to do. Pray for me. Hold me accountable. Lord Jesus, as we come to you, we ask that you would help us. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Show us, Lord, what area of our life is out of balance. And show us, Lord, what we can do to change that. Now we're about to celebrate communion, Lord. We would pray for the elements, the juice, the bread. Bless them, Lord. And as we celebrate together, 
we ask that you would help us to become the people you want us to be. Bless these elements, Lord. We ask it in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.